Chris Lockhart. Thanks for joining the podcast. Uh, this is Consultants Saying Things. Uh, this is episode four. Today we're going to talk about open source. Um, first of all, I want to thank everyone that commented. Uh, our first video, we had over 7,000 views. Um, our last video has been up for a week or so. We're, I think we just clicked over 2,000 this morning. So that's really good. Now I'm like soliciting feedback. I want comments and questions and ideas for other uh, discussion topics. Um, today I'm actually joined by uh, four other people. We have a guest today. Um, so as usual, we have Bill Bensing, where we have his video, which is great. Um, we have Phil Yanoff, uh, we have Shashi Shramali, and our guest today is Doug Cohn. Now, Doug is uh, a developer. He's been a developer for uh, more than a decade. He's an entrepreneur, and I think he's broadcasting to us. He's also a maker, so he's also broadcasting from his post-apocalyptic uh, makerspace, you know, post-industrial makerspace. Do you have a welding mask in the background there, Doug, or something like that? What I, I have one outside the shop, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. All right. So, look, uh, guys, first of all, thanks for joining. Um, I, I know uh, we've all been involved in technology to varying degrees over the years. We've all had hands on keyboards um, uh, over the years. And so, you know, I wanted to I wanted to talk a little bit about open source. And uh, there's been some news that we can get into a little bit later uh, that I think is applicable and relevant. Uh, I also think... You know, we probably all have our own experiences with open source, what it means uh, to a company, uh, to a practitioner, uh, et cetera. So, Doug, I actually I wanted to kind of go to you first. And since you're the guest, you know, give us like give us your 10 second, you know, what is open source and what does it mean? What does it mean to a company? What does it mean to a, a, a technology practitioner? I, that's a that's a pretty big open-ended question. Um, I think open source can be a lot of different things to a lot of different people. I think it could be a lot of different things to different companies. Uh, different companies have completely different strategies to open source. I think a general definition of open source is literally the source is open. Um, now, there are various licenses as to how open that source is, but generally open source means I can inspect the code, typically means I can fork the code and make my own changes, and I'm not necessarily reliant on a big giant company to maintain that code base um, because it's open and not proprietary in the sense that I can just go take it. And if they abandon it, um, I could go get some people and make it work um, because the code is sort of out there. It's not dissimilar in some ways to patents where we, we make it a trade with a company and say, if you put your intellectual property out here in the public domain, we'll give you a, a monopoly on it for a short period of time, except with open source, there's no monopoly. So I, that, that's a very brief surface, top surface level point of view for me. Why should a company be looking at open source versus uh, you know a, a giant vendor like IBM or something like that? Well, let me play off that and sort of try to answer that real quick. So you have open source versus proprietary software. And you go back to what software is. Software is the codification of a human process. That's all software is, right? I think I've maybe said that a couple times. <laughs> you have a book we can reference? I want to write it down if you've got a, a book title. Not yet, but I will have so – I'll, I'll, I'll be book dropping later on. All right, good. <laughs> but it's, it's all it is. And so when you look at open source versus uh, – I mean open source, you know, to Doug's point, is just open source code, right? And then the ability to commercialize it is limited by your licenses, GNU, MIT. Can I just literally sell this on my behalf even though you developed it? Or is there some light modifications? 
Um, whereas you have proprietary software as a company that's studied the industry and they're building software and, of course, the source code's proprietary to them. Um, but really what you see between open source and some, something like IBM is IBM's product people and engineers, they've identified a set of features and or problems to solve. They've codified it. Whereas with open source, you have a community-driven effort in general, a community-driven effort who's identified other sets of problems maybe similar and tried to solve them. And so getting back to the question you asked there, Chris, about, okay, these container specs, they're, they're, they're arguing over specs. Really, that's just, pod, that, that's just a codification of how we speak, i.e. protocol, um, which protocol to use and what, what not to use. And so open source really is, I mean, that's everybody, the, uh, pe you know, people standing on the shoulders of the giants that come before them. And I, I, it's sort of the, maybe, maybe I'm, I'm off on this, but the unwritten rule in open source is, I, I think, you know, what's that, what's that quote? Um, something is flattering, like when you copy it, it's flattering. Uh, you, guys, you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Exactly. Thank there you. we go, Phil. Thanks. <laughs> so it gets back to, when you look at open source, it's, it's more than technology. And I think a great technologist understands, like the underlying technology, take your containers or whatnot. It's really, what is that? that process that your company relies on, um, that your company's culture, the behavioral aspects of your company can implement well. Um, is it a Docker container? Is it a rocket container? I mean, that's, you know, a simple implementation. Containers are you know, another thing to talk about. But so they hopefully, I don't know if I've provided answer or clarification or maybe I just confused a couple people. Um, but I always get back to what is software. It's the codification of a human system. And when people argue about software, what they're really arguing about is the human system. And so I think when you drive it back to why open source for a company versus proprietary, it comes down to your application strategy, um, ERP systems. Would you buy an open source ERP system? Well, have been going through that. I wouldn't buy an open source ERP system because companies like NetSuite and Oracle, they've spent a lot of money codifying what really standard practices look like. But a container orchestration layer, would I go out and buy a proprietary container orchestration layer? Well, given the fact that that was created by Google, Borg, one of them, it's come out as Kubernetes. It's open source. Why would I go to VMware and buy their container orchestration where fundamentally it is just a fork of Kubernetes? But then my question is, what's the value that VMware adds above, um, above, above and beyond an open source Kubernetes implementation? Me going out to something like a print is Kismatic and installing it myself or GKE. So it gets back to, I think when you talk about the open source, it's what's your application strategy and um, you know, is open source right for your application strategy and then it always comes back to the great you know consultant question it depends right well so all right so you put it you you threw out a lot of very impressive by the way uh like technology words buzzwords good stuff but i mean guys is this a technology thing or is it a is it a, a people thing or a business thing or both i was uh you know i was about to say that to me um not every company is cut for open source open source is a mindset not a technology. Whether you are up for it or not, you've got to think about it. And it's not only just open source. Open innovation also has the similar ideas, right? A lot of common, you know, whether your company has the right culture to drive it, the collaboration, are you up for taking that risk? Everything, whether you take proprietary or open source, everything would come there with their pros and cons. It's more about, you know, are you ready for it? You know, it's it's about tapping into the right talent. Like you, you are not, you know, you're not compromising on the talent you hire. It's essentially you are tapping into the more global pool of talents. Important stuff can come from anywhere. But at the same time, there is an inherent risk of you know 
more number of people you have, how do you bring them? To, for me, open question is, and maybe, you know, Bill and others can kind of chime into this. How do they come to a conclusion or a decision if there is a conflict? Uh, whenever people are collaborating and say that, I want to use this standard. Somebody says, no, that's not right. We should be using that. How do they reach that standard decision? It's a framework, Sashi. It's a framework. Yeah. <laughs> Doug, how do you consensus? You're involved in various GitHub projects, I assume. You know, how does yeah. the community come to a consensus on, you know, should we include this feature or not? So there's a couple different things going on there. First of all, there's the question of whether you're just adopting open source technologies into your enterprise, right? Am I choosing between this ERP and that ERP, this CMS, and that CMS? Um, and then there's the question of whether or not you're open sourcing internal, possibly proprietary technology to the broader world. So those are two very different places. As far as the, the, the architecture of an open source project goes, um, there are a vast array, just as many arrays as, as there are forms of government and amongst different countries in the world of ways that projects work. Some projects are a benevolent dictator where basically the guy who owns a project, who, who started it, created it, or inherited it, basically says what flies and what doesn't. He's the arbiter of all decisions and the buck stops with him. And then you have projects that are very democratic where there's elected leadership, there's boards, and there's and, and those projects are typically easier for enterprises to adopt, by the way, because they feel like they can have a seat at the table. Whereas with the, the one man band, it's much harder for an enterprise to buy into that because, hey, if that guy gets hit by a bus, then who takes over? Right. Um, which misses the advantage of open source in that you don't like where that guy's going. Most licensing allows you to fork it and go off and do your own thing. And so that kind of has a counterbalancing effect to, to some of the hit by a bus or I don't like the way this project is going. Um, but I, I think there's definitely two, two parallel discussions. But as far as architecture of teams, um, most of the enterprise-friendly projects like Drupal and WordPress tend to have a more um, hierarchical structure. Um, and so then typically you have like a, a release lead uh, and you have a, a, a workflow plan and things that are going to, you know, milestones so that uh, enterprises can plan, hey, I'm going to build these features because I know that they're building support for them and those kinds of things. So you have libraries that are open source that are literally, you know, five or ten lines. And then you have libraries that are massive with many, many years of history. It's, there's a lot going on there. So, all right. So, uh, Phil, you you connect people a lot into technology companies, and and you deal a lot with you know helping folks uh, find those connections. Do are, are you hearing a lot about open source? And do the people that you know say, "Hey, I want to be an open source developer on Kubernetes or whatever," do, you know, do they really know what they're getting into, or do they have a sense of like, "Hey, I just want to explore this space." Yeah, you know, of course, uh, as Bill referenced, he talked about, uh, you know, open source as a uh, platform, right, or a, a mode. But the thing is, it is in some ways, it, I mean, it's almost, a, it's almost a religion of sorts, right? I mean, people who get a whole, I mean, they get that idea in their mind that they want to be in that open source community, and they just get all committed. They're completely and utterly emotionally engaged. 
and you know they're enthusiastic and passionate about what they're doing. And one of the things I think that they really like about it, and I really like about the people who get involved in it, is they feel like they're not just solving a particular business problem. They're serving some higher purpose. I mean, they're trying to help a community much larger than themselves. Now, my question becomes, you know, like the ones that Doug mentioned specifically, you think about WordPress, you think about Drupal. These are very flexible platforms on which I could build a whole bunch of different kinds of things. I wonder about it as I get into other enterprise software, you know, Bill mentioned specifically going into CRM. You know, would I CRM, I would go into Oracle, but there are open source CRMs and there are people who feel like they want to be involved in those projects. You know, how do I, and I'm going to toss this one back to you, Chris, I mean, how can you, as a consultant inside an enterprise, how do you help a company navigate the decision of, as we approach these sources, where, or approach these solutions, where does open source fit in that, right? What part of the equation, of the decision equation, does it become? Yeah, you know, that's an interesting question. And actually, it was on my list of things to kind of get into, because what you're really touching on there, and I think Shashi mentioned it a little bit too, right, is the culture of an enterprise, right? So I have a client right now, right, that, um, you know, they, they believe in the, the, the benefits of open source, uh, but they have uh, a fairly eyes wide open when it comes to some of the risks and challenges associated with it. And so they use it specifically where it makes sense, um, largely in the container containerization uh, for some of their applications. But I've been in lots of other places where it's like, you know, and Shashi, you probably have, you may have been the same place. I don't know, right? Where it's sort of like, like let's go all in on on this is the future. Let's charge, um, and and it's it's not entirely clear that they know what they're getting into. So from a consultant perspective, it's you know I think there's a you need to understand and recognize like does the culture of this enterprise in terms of the relationships between the departments within IT and then with the business do they have a strong relationship? Is there trust? If I'm going to tell you. And I'm going to take your claims processing uh, function business, by the way, that brings in hundreds of millions of dollars a year. And I'm going to put it in the cloud, right? And because you could be saying all those impressive technology things that Bill was saying earlier, right? And, and have all kinds of great buzzwords. All they hear is, oh, my God, it's in the cloud. Right? Yeah. And I don't, they don't really know what that means. They don't know that it's probably more secure than we could make it internally. They don't know that the workflows and the, the data and the exascale and all this great stuff means that their business process might actually be better. All they hear is, oh my God, risk, risk. It's, you know, it's, it's Gmail. It's, uh, you know, it's, you know, AOL online, right? They, they don't know, right? It's, and so I think it, you have to recognize as a consultant, like, do, would this even make sense of this client? And if so, where, for what purpose? Like, it's gotta be a fit for purpose thing. I mean, I don't, Doug, you, you you live and breathe this every day. I mean, what what's your take on on Phil's question? Well, so there's a there's an excellent uh, easy to pick on example of this, right? Equifax got busted for using open source software, and essentially they were using it improperly. So, like, I think at the core of the Equifax problem was not that they were using open source, not that they were using anything in in particular. It was a a people problem, a culture problem. Oh, and that was super big part of it. Is that bucks. you get twenty bucks? Hey, for word. Yeah, <laughs> looking for that on Amazon. Anyway, sorry, Doug. Go ahead. 
somebody said, hey, we're going to use, uh, you know, an open source project to solve this problem without really thinking through the ramifications of that you've got to stay on top of it. The security patches for the breach were issued months, literally months before the, there was a breach. And so they probably would have gone on unmolested for however long if they had had a good culture around understanding how that open source project worked and were a little bit more involved than uh, what it seems on, at, at, to the outside they were involved. So I think I think it's absolutely a cultural decision. And in talking to a client, um, th there's also another key misconception here. Oh, just uh, just that, before you get past that point, Doug, in there, because I mean, I think you made a good point there. And what you're getting at is, you know, this is where Equifax used Apache struts as part of their platform. And the thing is, it, instead of actually taking advantage of having a whole bunch of people looking for security holes and fixing and applying those patches dynamically, what they used it for instead was plausible deniability. And they said, oh, well, wait, there was a bug and it was because it was open source. I mean, but of course, the community, the open source community had none of that. Right. Well, and I think that's an, a, a key misconception here, um, and, and this has set, been said a couple of times already, is you buy this software or buy that software. The, the reason a lot of people use open source, and in fact, maybe the pitch at Equifax was because it was free. The, the real dirty secret of open source is it's no more free than the next thing. The costs are in different places, right? The costs are in the upkeep. The costs are in having somebody that's knowledgeable in the platform the costs are in the implementation or the customization, uh, the just the inherent keeping up with the open source community and where they're going and providing that two-way feedback. Uh, so for people to, go, a lot of people use that as a shortcut, right? Oh, well, this will save us six months of development time, plus it's free. And, <laughs> and then you end up at the Equifax conundrum, right? Is that we'll blame the open source project, even though somebody picked it because it was free and easy to use or whatever the you know selling points were. So I want to chime in where you guys are going on with this one, because what I hear here, and side note, Doug, love the Ansible bowl on, on your right left-hand side over there. I'm a huge Ansible geek. Everything I do is there. So love it. Great open source. Um, so when it's going down to, when you think about it, when you think about open source, to me, it gets back to application portfolio management. And now those are big, very consulting enterprise words, but a lot of people, and then Sasha, the framework I'm thinking of and, and Doug and Phil, where you're going is there's a thing, the Gartner pace layered architecture. It's sort of the Gartner. <laughs> Drink. Everyone drink. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so like I go back to it because if which what, I, what I'm hearing here with the Apache struts with Equifax and some of the experiences I've had recently at a, at a company trying to push them from proprietary to wholly open source. And you're absolutely right, Doug, the costs fall in different areas and the risk and or responsibility becomes yours in certain areas, yours, i.e. the company versus basically I can pay a hundred grand a year to push this, this responsibility off into a third person and point at them when stuff goes wrong. Um, and that's really, you know, there's some models around that. I'll open source my whole proprietary system and you pay me a hundred grand and I'll, I'll take the fall when stuff breaks. Um, but we're going back to it's like an application strategy. Um, Payside architecture. Let me start with that. So there's this thing called a payside architecture. Gartner talks about. I really love it. I don't, I love a lot of stuff from Gartner, but I think of some of it's bullshit like uh, bimodal IT. Uh, but um, 
the whole drink. idea was <laughs> I have a bingo card here. I know all the good buzzwords you have to drink every time and we'll be drunk by the end of the episode. All right, sorry. But it, was, it was the observation that the layer that layers of the earth move at different paces, right? So you have some that move slow, some that move fast. Same thing happens in an organization. Application changes, some move very slow, i.e., your finance system moves very slow. But your what they call systems of innovation, those could be your apps, those could be other things, move very quickly. So they have three layers, systems of uh, record, finance, accounting systems, things that don't, that changes don't move often. Systems of differentiation, things that move pretty moderately quickly, but they differentiate you from your competitor. And of course, systems of innovation, which they're out there, you're trying to prove a new value proposition, point it down. And so bringing this back to where does open source fit in it, it comes down to all of those are different types of applications. And where does that open source application fit in there? If you're saying, and it goes back to some cultural behaviors, if you're saying, I'm going to open source my systems of record, well, that's the kind of stuff that keeps your lights on or off. Maybe this is where Equifax was. So that's a high risk. And so you better be able to maintain support or you're probably a huge community contributor at that point in time because you're driving the project. Whereas if you're moving upwards to something like systems of innovation, these are things that somebody in marketing who has little IT experience or tech experience can go experiment with. And it's here today, gone tomorrow. It doesn't impact customers. It impacts nobody. And you know that's where open source can, can, can come in and be very helpful because instead of going and buying a proprietary system to try something, you just go get a library. You get an open source system, throw it in the cloud. Try it. It works. It doesn't work. Um, but then it comes down to, as the state does work, how do you manage that through these subsequent layers? Because eventually everything that's innovative becomes a system of record, which is either something that keeps your lights on or off. All right. So, so I, I want to pick up on that thread. I, I know I, there's a lot more I know we can say about that particular thing. But, Bill, you just said something about uh, empowering non-technical users or less technical users, right? The business user. Right. And, you know, I know there are large, uh, you know, business process management companies and vendors that, that say, you know, hey, you know, we have tools that, you know, it's like using Word or Office. Right. And and the business user can write business rules and then it just gets sucked into the thing. And lo and behold, all this technology happens. But, you know, there's a little bit of unicorns associated with that and pixie dust. But I do think there is something here. I'd, I'd like you guys' opinion, you know, on. You know, does this, does open source, do do those types of technologies, does that empower the business user uh, in a way that's maybe not happened to this degree before? And, and does that, how does that impact the business's relationship with IT, so the traditional IT role of, hey, we, we can help provide some solutions for your business problem. Now the business maybe doesn't even need IT to address their own business problem. Is that real or did I make that up? Uh, uh, I'm going to take one second and let everybody else speak. I think this comes down to IT business alignment. When you have IT business bifurcation, it doesn't matter what open source is out there. It's not going to help you because the business is trying to innovate for its customers. Now, when you have something that's IT business aligned, yeah, that that works extremely well. I, I want to first of all disagree with you, and I know Chris is going to like it. Uh, I'm not a big proponent of uh, business IT alignment anymore. I think we have gone past that stage. Um, it's more about business and IT collaboration. And in many cases, IT kind of leading the way for business wherever possible. And when it comes to open source, business would not be the right people who can make those decisions around open source and implications uh, of open source. So you've got to have IT be the true collaborator and take those kind of calls. And as, um, as our guest speaker uh, said today, right, it's nothing is free. 
it's nothing is free like you got to invest in it so we as consultant chris we need to make sure that when we educate our client if they embark on this open source journey we need to explain the cost is distributed in various ways you got to invest in open source you got to contribute in open source in some way shape or form and not just be a stale user of the technology um so, so that's my two cents on this all like look bill i know you you're you're technical and you run businesses talk same thing right i, I mean i guess bill i, I are, are people coming into this with the right skill set in order to perform it at the level of what was just discussed, right? That, you know, you can't come in and just pound on a keyboard and be in a dark room by yourself with a cloud container on, you know, Amazon and, and come up with something great. You have to actually be part of the business process that is going to use that and, and participate and collaborate. We have, are we, Educating people with the right skills to do that as a practitioner. I mean, do they play well with others? Do they play well with others? Because <laughs> that's really the thing, right? I mean, I think this is both an issue for both the people going into it and the businesses that want to be part of this, right? Um, you have to give up some control to get where you are going. I mean, and that's not to say that there aren't the important things aren't still important, right? Uh, doing the job, security, suitability to purpose, all those things have got to be answered. But um, if I am part of a larger community and I feel like, well, part of what I'm going to do is do a little bit of give back into that community as well. But the community itself may kind of push or twist or move this thing around to some place that might not have been exactly where I thought it ought to be spending its resources. I simply don't have the control that I had. Are people prepared for that? I don't know. I mean, it, it, I, I think it takes a, uh, you know, a very special uh, idea, sentiment. Right. To be able to go in and say, OK, listen, I, I don't have good control over this. I mean, you know, I always think that one of the reasons I got involved in IT was because I like messing with stuff and I like the mid bending it to my will. This is really kind of a thing where it's a people thing as well. Right. How are we going to collaborate and communicate and build a thing together towards another place? And we might not always agree about it. I think it's valuable, but I'm not sure I was always ready for that. Right now, just if uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did you or did you not create OS2 War? <laughs> no, I spent hours and hours debugging it, but I didn't create the thing. <laughs> would, 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 would open source have helped you there? Yeah, exactly. I, you know, uh, that's a well, you know, you think about that, right? That was a spot where you had two companies sort of battling over the future of one software, only two. But they were uh, big companies trying to decide that, make that decision. So I had a question for uh, experts here. Um, what are what are the biggest like? If you had to pick one reason why people should not go for open source, what would that be? I mean, I think it's my my hobby horse by now. It's 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 not as free as it looks, right? If you're just picking open source because it's free, then you're picking open source for the wrong reason. Yeah, I'd say that if you weren't willing to build a a, a competency around managing open source software. Um, there's traditional vendor management for software, but if you're not building, willing to build that competency or try to experiment with it, then stay away from it. One of the biggest executive concerns uh, whenever you talk about open source is security threats, right? Everything is your source code is open. So is my security be compromised? What would be your response to that? My response, so I'd 
go back. So this would be some data I'd have to dig up. But my response, this could be a little, little heuristic right here, is having everybody in the community who's using the software look at it, it tends to be more secure than a proprietary piece of information. Now, there's a bit of rhetoric. There's probably some data to prove behind that. But then they're going to put and say, like, well, Equifax used it. Well, actually, that thing was solved. Equifax just didn't manage it properly. So, Shashi, doesn't it – I mean, aren't you really kind of saying that uh, you're concerned about the security? And so if the question is where does open source not make sense, and I would think an answer would be open source doesn't make sense when you are not willing to commit the resources required to be part of that community, whether it's for applying security or being part of it, you know, getting that data back and forth. There's a conversation around open source and you have to be willing to commit to that because otherwise this thing's just going to kind of, it's going to go stale on you. Absolutely. I, th I think um, you need to have internal security standards that you would write code and you're probably going to write code associated with this platform anyway. It might be smaller anecdotal, but you're going to write some sort of integration with some system somewhere. And so if you don't have an internal security standard, um, there are lots of best practices out there that you can borrow uh, that, that you can start from to build from. Um, and so you should be applying that standard to your own internal work. And so then I would take that standard and apply it to the open source project. Are they looking for cross-site scripting vulnerabilities? Are they escaping data properly? All of those sorts of things that are normal programmer things that you need to do are best practices. But I have been in dozens of organizations where those are the last thing on the list, but it's proprietary software, so no one cares, right? <laughs> it's just as insecure as if you had downloaded an open source project that didn't follow any of those practices. So if you don't have internal security standards, that's something that you should be looking at um, and then use that as the metric for, is this open source project secure enough? So I think it's I think it's a misleading question to be like, oh, the open source may not be secure or is it secure? Because if you have you can answer that question, if you have the, the, the internal standard, this is what we look for. This is our minimum expectation in terms of security. So what we're trying to do, right, is cut through some of this for both practitioners in the space as well as their management. Right. And so I guess my final question right for you would would be along the lines of, you know, if I'm the guy in the office tower, I'm on my lunch break and I'm watching this. Now I'm going to go back to my cubicle and I'm, I'm in IT, you know, what, what's the takeaway for them in terms of, you know, when to use open source, how to use open source? Is it worth going into this space in more detail? You know, how do I, how do I prep my career, right? For, uh, for a future full of open source. So, um, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, um, you, have, you have a minute and a half, by the way. Go. <laughs> <laughs> How do you prep your career? I think the first thing is just to start to participate in an open source community, um, to find a community that aligns with your personal career goals or with, with technology that you find interesting or that you use day to day and start to participate in a project. Um, even if that's just as simple as reading documentation and providing typos and spelling fixes and grammar edits, right? Um, that gets you very familiar with the project. Um, and I can list people for you who started their involvement with a project like that and today have a, have a career based on their skill level with a particular project uh, that just simply started out with making small edits and, and updates. Uh, but that gives you a really solid sense for 
how the community works. How do things get approved? Who do I talk to? Who are the major players in the community? Um, and these are all important things that as you start to worry about, hey, is this a, a project we're going to incorporate into our, our, our day to day? Or you're looking at comparing another project um, as you're looking at bringing it in. Once you have that experience with the community aspect of it um, and, the, and the, you start to understand what to look for, what are the warning signs? Um, is the conflict in the community productive? Do they have, you know, knockdown drag out fights in the tickets, but things happen or do things completely stall and features because they get deadlocked on the conversation, did the features get deadlocked and, and never pushed um, in, into things like that? So I think, Finding a way to get involved in a small way, paying attention to it, uh, finding a, a newsletter or a mailing list uh, that you can get on that, that takes you down the proverbial rabbit hole is probably the biggest step that I would tell anybody to take. And from there, I think it's a matter of what are other organizations doing? And I think it goes back to Bill's point about the different layers of the organization. If this is a key competency, um, if this is the secret sauce that makes your business different from all of the other businesses, You've got to own it in a completely different way than if this is a marketing website um, and it runs on WordPress or it runs on Drupal. And that, that difference to that is that it runs on Squarespace or Wix, right? Nobody cares at the marketing guy doesn't care as long as it works, right? But you do have to make some conscious choices there, but you don't have to invest in WordPress the same way because you can switch to Squarespace next week and it doesn't kill your business. It doesn't change. It's not a core competency. Now, for some people, it absolutely is a core competency, and that's a different discussion. But I think those are that's the big pieces that, that uh, I would say in my you know two minutes now. <laughs> oh, that's good, and you know, I, so first of all, I appreciate it, Doug. Thank you, guys. Final thoughts on this topic. I mean, I know Shashi, you know, you're thinking of it certainly from big enterprise consulting. You know, what what's the takeaway for you guys? Shashi, go. Yeah, so honestly for me, uh, the biggest takeaway from this is uh, whenever any enterprise or any executive is kind of debating whether he wants he or she wants to go uh, you know, open source or not, I want to tell them two things. One is it's not free. Um, the cost is going to come in some way, shape, or form. You've got to invest in it. You need to actively participate in it. Otherwise, the project is going to die. So it's individual organizations' responsibility to participate. And second thing, as Bill mentioned, is more around uh, look at your application strategy, uh, identify your system, you know, categorize system of record, system of differentiation, and system of innovation, and then choose the application which you want to put it on your open source platform. You know, I'm the community guy, right? So I think about that part of it. And I think that if you're in an environment, if you go into a work environment, where you have both the people that you are working for and the business objectives that you are working with, and as well as perhaps the opportunity to participate in an open source community, I think it can expand your opportunities in the field. I think Doug's career is an example of that, of being able to be committed, you know, being able to make that jump back and forth from someone with a business focus to someone with a platform focus who is in that spot in the open source community. So I, I think it can open up uh, open up uh, new opportunities for you. And so I think being ready for that is a good idea. Yeah, I get two. One, hopefully if some college graduate or soon-to-be college graduates listening to this, take Doug's advice. 
the best, some of the best people I've ever hired, and even I've asked to see their GitHubs and their repos, is show me how you've contributed because it's way beyond the actual coding standards, your patterns or whatnot. It's what problems have you tried to solve yourself and contribute back? Because that behavioral set, that open source mindset, Sashi, as you're referring to earlier, that's a very powerful mindset inside of a company to help move you forward. I'm going to take on ambiguous problems. I'm going to push that route. The second one isn't for the employer is you need to have an open source management um, strategy. You can't be ignoring it. You have to be open to it and you have to be pushing it and asking those questions. Um, pit supplier versus open source and ask the, the trade-off question. What is it there? And then ask it in your application stack is, frankly, do I need to be having this, this conversation? Can I just experiment with it? See if it adds value to my customers or do I really need to go through some big in-depth um, discovery about the products? Um, so if you aren't doing open source management, um, I don't want to ever say it's too late. It's never too late to start, um, but probably should start it five years ago. Um, yeah, no, agreed. And you know, I I think of it from the perspective of you know advising, uh, you know, sort of upper management in in terms of how to deal with this, uh, you know, with open source in general. And you know, to me, as I look at it, you know, I, I'm I'm seeing I don't know if convergence is the right word, but I certainly see. Um, Tech, people who would formerly have been technologists only becoming much more involved in understanding the business problems that they're attempting to solve with these types of tools and this type of approach. And so I, 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 I see that increasingly. Now, also on the other side, you know, folks that historically would have would no idea what a, what a container was or is, um, you know, increasingly better understanding uh, you know what what it takes to make their business thing go, and so you know uh, I wrote down two things. I have two takeaways. The first was I love it, uh, Bill. Show me your GitHub. I think that's great. Maybe there'll be a shirt at some point in the future with that written on it. Um, you know, and and you know the second thing is you know, you know increasingly I I see you know business as IT or IT as business where basically there is no IT right. It's you know kind of all related to how uh, the business operates. Um, so great parting thoughts. Doug, thank you, I appreciate it. You know, um, uh, also another shout out, Doug is not just a maker and an entrepreneur and a developer, but also uh, all around good guy who does a lot of charitable work for Samaritan's Purse. Uh, I've seen lots of video of Doug, you know, wading through uh, thigh high water with a chainsaw and uh, rescuing people. So I, I think that's great, good stuff. Um, thank you for joining us. And uh, guys, I appreciate it. Shashi, Phil, Bill. Thanks guys, I'm Chris Lockhart. This was uh, Consultant Saying Things. We'll see you next time.